Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The important war message you have been expecting will be broadcast immediately after the Viver McGee and Molly program. Keep tuned to this station. Here's the Johnson Wax program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. country's leading newspapers, and I noticed an article called Keeping Your House in Tune with the Times. You know, it made me feel right at home, for this is what I read. Preserving and protecting the surfaces around your house was once the sensible thing for a good housewife to do. Now it's a case of preserve or do without. The situation isn't as bad as it sounds if you take advantage of wax in any of its forms. Wax is not only a great preservative, but it's also a great time saver. For wax surfaces are more easily dusted because the dirt and dust remain on top and don't penetrate the layer of wax. Well, now, doesn't that sound just like H. Wilcox talking about Johnson's wax? I must remember to write them a letter. They've really got the right idea. comes a tide in the affairs of men when they think they can write a book. Well, the tide is in at 79 Wistful Vista. And here, busily filling page after page of scratch paper, we find that persistent proponent of pithy prose, that fearless perpetrator of punchy paragraphs, Mr. McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. So, grasping her in his strong arms, he kissed her tenderly on the forehead as she ran her slender fingers through his dark curly hair, which she had first took his hat off so she could. <laughs> then as a knock came at the door... McGee, I never heard such drivel in my life. What are you reading? I ain't reading. I'm writing. You're what? I'm writing a book. So that's what you've been doing the last few days. That's it. And I thought you were going over the household accounts. Household accounts, my clavicle. Don't <laughs> you worry about them, Molly. When the dough starts rolling in from this book and you'll have so much money, the, the government won't know what to do with it. Now, let's see. Where was I? Oh, yeah. I was just getting to the place where my heroine, Maisie Laprine, had just met Lieutenant Fragwell. Just met him? Yeah. Last I heard, he was taking her into his strong, curly arms and was kissing her. <laughs> well, it was love at first sight. 
You see, he was coming down the street on roller skates while she was cleaning the front steps, and she swept him off his feet. Oh. Ah, I got some cute dialogue there. Oh, I'll bet you have. <laughs> but the pot really gets torn a little later on. This is a love story that'll have every woman in America dripping mascara. Oh, my. Where's my phone? <laughs> oh, yeah. Running her fingers through his dark, curly hair, which she had first took his hat off so she could. <laughs> then as a knock come at the door... Boy, is this realistic. Then as a knock come at the door... Look, Arthur, I hate to disillusion you, but that was a knock at the door. Hmm. Well, it's plagiarism, that's what it is. Come in. For goodness sakes, Abigail Luffington. Oh, how do you do, my dear? I'm Mr. McGee. My dear Mrs. Luffington, what a charming surprise. Do come in. <laughs> I say, Francois, kill another bottle of sparkling root beer for madame. Oh, I say, this is jolly, isn't it? <laughs> when was it we met last on the French Riviera, was it not? <laughs> oh, remember that romantic evening over the gaming tables at Monte Carlo? The night Fifi's de Goumenac shot the duke? <laughs> oh, okay. I remember how the stars shone down like a million jewels on the velvet canopy of night. Um, and let's talk over, Miss McGee. I wasn't here when the game started. <laughs> Listen, don't mind him, Abigail. He's writing a book and he thinks he's E. Follop Dippenheim or somebody. Oh, yes. Fine chap, Dippenheim. I remember one afternoon we were sitting in a gay little cafe in the Latin Quarter. <laughs> I remember it because I didn't know any Latin and Ippy didn't have a quarter. <laughs> Dread out of some experience. Oh, look, come off your high horse, dearie, before it throws you. Well, I find this very interesting, Mrs. McGee. You think I could write a book, eh? I didn't think you could write, period. <laughs> oh, he's been working like a little beaver, Abigail. You betcha. Cure a tree down and build a dam for the lady, little beaver. <laughs> okay, okay, deride. Laugh, if you will, my fine feathered friends. But the time will come when you'll point to my picture in magazines and say, I know that man. That's Earl Stanley McGee, the author. Who? Earl Stanley McGee. That's my nom de prune. <laughs> I, uh, I think you mean nom de prune, Miss McGee. I mean nom de prune. I'm going to show the writing business some new wrinkles. <laughs> say, when you get the manuscript finished here, let me give it to Uncle Dennis. Oh? Is he acquainted with some publishers, my dear? Well, I think he is. I've often heard him say he knows every bookmaker in the country. <laughs> uh, you mean, I suppose, that you should have a literary agent, Miss McGee? A literary what? A literary agent. Someone to act as middleman for you, to make good arrangements with some publishing house, to protect your rights. <laughs> you artistic people are so unbusinesslike, you know. Oh, yes, I suppose you are. <laughs> We authors live in a world of dreams, Abigail. <laughs> We're shy and practical creatures. We should be shielded from the cruder, the harsher aspects of life. Oh, my. Could you face the crude fact that your fountain pen is dripping on your pants leg? Huh? <laughs> oh. Hey, Effie, I thought you joined up with the wax. When do you go? Oh, I, I don't know, Mr. McGee. I... I was declined with thanks. Oh, that's too bad, Abigail. I'm so sorry. Now, that's a shame, kid. They should not have turned down a big, sensible girl like you. What was wrong? Oh, Mr. McGee, there was a time when I would have approached the answer to that question with some trepidation. Yes. I would have evaded a direct reply with all the delicate finesse at my command. Yes. But the cold, brutal fact remains that I'm too darn old. <laughs>
I'm afraid Lieutenant Barumba will have to wait in the fag well for a minute, Jerry. Come in. Kids, what you doing? I'm trying to write a book if I can get some peace and quiet around here. Well, you go right ahead, Johnny. Me and Dory won't let anybody bother you. Fine. Bound to be a storybook writer once myself. But the grammar got me. Oh. She <laughs> says I didn't know a subject from a pelican. <laughs> you mean a predicate? I do? And a predicate one of them little salty crackers that you get with a glass of beer? <laughs> Well, a dangerous thing. <laughs> Grandpa had one go off right in his face once. Didn't know it was loaded. It was an old horse pretzel that he had. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Don't you mean horse pistol? I sure do, daughter. Grandpa was in the horse pistol for three weeks. <laughs> day nurse, night nurse. That's daughter. a hospital. Yes, sir. Most hospital folks Grandpa ever lived with. I think you mean they were hospitable. No, no, they took his chewing tobacco away from him when he went in. Look, old timer, look. Can't you stop changing the subject? No, I can't, Johnny. Teacher always told me I couldn't tell a subject from a pelican. Listen, but you don't need pelican. Why don't I? Because a pelican is a big bird. You're telling me, Johnny. Teacher gave me a bird so big it blew me out of school and never went back. Well, old brother, Johnny, so long, Stanley McStuck, you go to work on your masterpiece, and I'll stand here and guard the door like voracious at the bridge. <laughs> you mean voracious. Voracious means having a big appetite. Well, this whole, this whole thing is sickly from hunger. Oh. Are you getting busy tonight? Hello, folks. Am I intruding? Oh, frankly, old chap, yes, you are. Oh, <laughs> I say, old fellow, would you mind frightfully old radish if I asked you to stop by another time? <laughs> That's a good fellow. <laughs> What's the matter with him, Molly? Did he fall asleep in a Ronald Coleman movie? <laughs> He's writing a book, Mr. Wilcox. He thinks that phony Piccadilly accent gives him a certain air. It does. Why don't you open a window? <laughs> oh, now I say, old groom. Stop it, Molly. You sound like some dentist just fitted you with a lemon bridge. <laughs> Molly, what's this about him writing a book? Well, let me tell you about it, Junior. You see, my hero, Lieutenant Fragwell of the Navy. The Navy? Yeah. Hey, could you say something about battleship linoleum and then sneak in a few words about Johnson's blow coat? This is a novel, Wilcox, not an advertising folder. Anyway, he falls in love with a girl named Maisie Laprie because she reminded him of his mother. And you remind me of my mother. Oh. Did you remind you of your mother, Miss Wilcox? Yes, when he's happy and excited like this. Yes, just like my mother used to when she was telling somebody about blow coat. How easy it was to use, now it's time to the dry. Are you going to let me tell about my book? Oh, excuse me, go ahead. Well, just as Fragwell and Maisie are on their way to the house to get married, up comes a messenger in a cloud of dust. So, what's a little dust? Mm. Well, Johnson's blow coat dirt himself right right up to the damn floor. And anyway, Glow Coat protects. You better let him go on, Mr. Wilcox. He's turning green. Oh, pardon me. Well, then what, baby? It's a message for Lieutenant Fragwell to report for duty. The marriage is off. He's been called back into the service. Well, the surface is an important thing. <laughs> if you protect the surface of your linoleum against dirt and wear, it'll almost last forever because Glow Coat is the I didn't finest. say surface. I said surface. E-R-V-I-S-E. <laughs> Lieutenant Fragwell is a West Pointer. Now, hold on. Wait a minute, McGee. If Lieutenant Fragwell was in the Navy, why did he go to West Point? Ah, wouldn't Hitler like to know that? Hey, where are you going, Junior? Don't you want to hear the finish, Mr. Wilcox? No, I don't think I do, Molly. 
You see, I'm so used to sparkling, gleaming, immaculate wax coating that Johnson's Glow Coat gives, it spoiled me for inferior finishes. Oh. Well, I'll see you again. <laughs> Appreciated inferior finishes my clavicle. I tell you, the ending of my book has got a wallop that'll tear your heart out. Oh, what is it? I don't dare tell. But get this, Molly. After the book ends, I'm inserting three pages of crossword puzzles. Oh. Just to give the readers a chance to calm down. <laughs> this book has got such a smash climax that I don't want to be responsible for people going hasty. You mean Haywire? I thought Haywire was a movie actor. That's Haywire. What is Haywire? I'll buy the bail if it's cheaper. Oh, oh, what are we talking Good afternoon. I'm sorry, Chick. Whatever it is, we don't want any. We got all the linens we need. And if it's magazines, you're wasting your time because I... Are you Mr. McGee? Yes, I am, Chick. And let me tell you again. I am Virginia Cheltenham, the literary agent. Oh, oh, you... <laughs> oh gee, if I, if I don't even... Oh, my God. <laughs> you got caught with your accent down, didn't you, dear? <laughs> Come in, Miss Virginia Ham. Cheltenham. <laughs> Virginia Cheltenham. <laughs> I suppose you're a mighty proud girl to have a father who could write a book. Yes, my father. I'm her mother. Miss <laughs> Cheltenham is my wife, Molly. How do you do, I'm sure. Your wife? Oh, how splendid. And let me tell you something about myself, Mr. McGee. I am a literary agent of long standing. Oh, have a chair, Chelsea? <laughs> I beg your pardon. Oh. Oh, yes, thank you. Yes. And Mr. McGee, are you familiar with serial rights, motion picture rights, dramatic rights, foreign translations, and the other hundred things regarding which a busy author must protect himself? Heavenly day. Then I thought an author just wrote a book and took his money and boom, that was that. No, I, I never knew there was much to it, Miss Well, they are all very important. Mm -hmm. I was having tea one afternoon with, uh, well, let me see. There was Red and Jack and L and Ernie. Who are they? A red, uh, that's Red Lewis, of course. Sinclair Lewis, you know. Oh, oh yes, I read his book, uh, Aerosmith. <laughs> well, disappointed, though, no Indians in it. <laughs> Who are them other guys? Oh, uh, that's Ellery Queen, uh, oh. Ernie Hemingway, and Jeff Sander. Oh. <laughs> Did you ever do any business with Charlie and Vic? Who, Mrs. McGee? Charlie and Vic? You know, Charlie Dickens and Vic Hugo. <laughs> Well, Miss Cheltenham, now here's about my book. This is Lieutenant Fragwell. I shall want to read the manuscript myself, Mr. McGee. Well, that's finished. Uh, pardon me. I've I got three chapters to go. Well, I'll take it as is. A manuscript needn't necessarily be complete to make a sale, you know. Oh, swell. Well, this Lieutenant Fragwell... Now, my usual business procedure is this, Mr. McGee. Yeah? I take full responsibility for the promotion and sale of all rights in your literary work. Oh, I see.
You know that horrible rainstorm we had last week? Yeah. I was nearly drowned. I must have swallowed five gallons of water. Well, don't you know enough to come in out of the rain, Wimp? Oh, I wasn't, Mr. McGee. Oh. I didn't stay one little tippy toe outdoors all night. Well, then how did you swallow all that water? Oh, I see. You started to leak like everything, and Stevie said, Oh, Wallace, what do I do? And I said, Put a pan under it, silly. And she did. Mine. <laughs> Trick, Wimp. One of these days, that woman is going to go too far. <laughs> yes, and I hope she stays there. <laughs> hey, Molly, you know what I'm going to do with the first $50,000 I make off my book? I'm going to buy... Tell me, Lady Gary, I've got to take these two things out. You wait, Molly. One of these days, you'll look back and wonder how we can live in a dump like this. Ah, there's a little woman that's going to dozen pairs of silk stockings if I ought to stand over those silkworms with a horse whip. Yes, sir. Do. Oh, come in, come in, come in. Hi, Mr. Oh, hello there, little girl. Did you hear about my book? Hmm? I said, did you hear about my book? You got a book? <laughs> what do you mean if I got a book? I just wrote one. I'm an author. You're another author? Not another anything. I says I'm an author. I wrote a book about a young naval lieutenant named Fagwell who falls in love with a girl. Now, Jim, how'd you think he'd fall in love with a horse? <laughs> Don't be so fresh, Jim. Remember, a hairbrush ain't exactly obsolete as part of a child's education. I don't get it. One more smart crack and you will. Oh. Now, look, haven't you got any place to go over here? Sure. My dad go down to Bonsai and Falkenstein and he came in Skittling. What's the matter with him? Too much Skittling and not enough wings. <laughs> Let me tell you more about my book. You see this, Lieutenant Fagwell? Tell me a picture, Mr. Page. Is there anything more you take? Oh, I'm sorry, sis. I, uh, I, 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 I used up all the paper right in my book. I sure. think I... Well, go on, on the back of this piece of paper, Mr. Page. Okay, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Now, first I'll draw up... Yeah. Hey. Hey, where'd you get this piece of paper? Hmm? This is part of my book. I found it. What? It was in that green box. I'm a little tiny, and I'm the one that says, Well, I'll keep our
increase in neighborliness in recent months. With less driving around, there's more visiting back and forth. I'm sure that in many homes tonight, friends and neighbors are sitting around listening to this program together. The makers of Johnson's Wax are glad they can bring Fibber and Molly into your home. And they want me to thank you again for your continued loyalty to all Johnson's Wax products. All of us on the show are happy to be working for a company whose products are so helpful in these times. The regular use of Johnson's Wax protects your floors, furniture, and woodwork at a time when conservation is so vital. It saves you many hours of work when manpower and woman power are so important. And besides, it makes your home more beautiful and more sanitary because a wax home is a clean home. This has been quite a day, eh? What? <laughs> Jolly old novel gone up the spout and all that. <laughs> oh, stop it. Huh? You sound like a bundle from Britain delivered by mistake. <laughs> oh, I, I don't get it, old girl. You keep telling me, old girl, and you'll get it all right. <laughs> uh, oh, tally ho. Good night, all. <laughs> of the old-timer and Wallace Wimple heard on this program were played by Bill Thompson. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program is reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.